wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Welcome back, folks. The initial episode of WrestleRant Radio in 2017. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews. We are back here on Thursdays airing new episodes on the website nextairwrestling.net every single Thursday. Like I said, the premiere episode in the new year. A lot to cover from Raw, SmackDown, 205 Live, bringing to the table the whole controversy that show was on Monday night after Raw on the WWE Network. But I'm not flying solo here today. I'm being joined for our first guest in the new year. We got David Joseph. Uh, David, how are you doing today? I'm I'm doing all right, Graham, and I, I appreciate the call. Thank you for having me on the show. Of course, of course. This is your debut on the show, so for people not familiar with your work and your background in wrestling, uh, when did you get started in wrestling? Kind of a brief overview of what got you into WWE, your favorite superstars. Anything, basically, you want to share? Well, um, starting off, I, I've always been a wrestling fan for basically as long as I can remember, like probably since I was five. Mm-hmm. I, started watching wrestling with the brothers you know I'm, I'm from a very male dominated family and just about all of us like wrestling you know I have you know five brothers so it was kind of the norm to you know crowd around in the living room and watch some Monday Night Raw and you know it's basically became a habit and you know I, I can't imagine my life without it as far as favorite wrestler favorite wrestler of all time or currently um both both Favorite wrestler of all time, I'm going to give it to John Cena. Favorite wrestler currently, I'm going to go with AJ Styles. Ooh. And it's kind of ironic because they're feuding right now, and I'm <laughs> loving every yeah. bit of it. Mm-hmm. But we'll get into it later, a little bit later. And as far as actively in the, on the internet, getting into wrestling, you know, first of all, I'm a, I'm a communications major. Mm. And, you know, I watch the internet and wrestling and how it's, became kind of intertwined and very linked together with how popular social media is. And, you know, I kind of looked at as an opportunity, you know, to get my feet wet as an aspiring journalist, so, which is one of the key reasons why I, I enjoy writing for your site is because, you know, I think it allows me to express myself and it allows me to work on a passion and in some sense it's it's practice for ultimately what i want to do as a career exactly and that's exactly yeah i mean just kind of writing about wrestling will kind of get you uh prepared for the future and that's kind of why i do it as well and people can check out your work i forgot to mention that but people can check out your work on next to wrestling itself just type in david joseph in the search bar you've wrote a number of articles all of which are great so people can check that out um anything else you want to plug before we get started here too um yeah actually um Along with the work I do for you, I, I actually have an up-and-coming podcast a buddy of mine have been working on. It, it is called No Holds Barred Podcast. Mm-hmm. You can find it on YouTube. You can find the page on Facebook. You, in, to type it in, it's No Dash Holds Barred Podcast. But essentially, 
you know, we know there's a lot of wrestling podcasts out there and the options are very fruitful, but, you know, a buddy of mine and I really, you know, took the concept and we'd like to take it to another level and we're just trying to grow. So it'd be nice if we could get some more supporters with that. And what we try to do to differentiate ourselves from other wrestling podcasts is we try, we obviously talk pro wrestling, but we try to make it diverse and talk about other things in pop culture as like hip hop, like mm-hmm. maybe someone has a business to promote, maybe someone has a project to promote. We'll even have them come on as guests, and it's been great so far. And we're just trying to, you know, reach other people, broaden our horizons. Very nice, very nice. And people can check that out. You said it's on YouTube as well, right? Yep. Perfect. So people can check that out as soon as we wrap it up. We'll come out. We'll come full circle. We'll plug it at the end as well. Um, but speaking of which, like I said, the first episode of the new year, we're in 2017. Pretty decent week for WWE on the whole. Like I said, we had Raw, SmackDown. SmackDown was great, in my opinion. 205, pretty good as well. Raw, maybe not so much. We'll get into that in a moment. But uh, 2017, though, uh, is already off to a pretty solid start for WWE. But before we go any further with Raw, SmackDown, and the works, uh, any bold predictions, David, that you have for 2017 in WWE? You know, it's funny you asked me that, Graham. I just, our last episode on the podcast was relating to bold predictions in 2017. And who was the MVP of 2016. But Mm -hmm. I do, actually. This might catch you off guard, and it might seem a little unexpected, but with his growing popularity as a star outside of the WWE Mm -hmm. and... You know, him still having unfinished business, in my opinion. I wouldn't be shocked if we see Dave Batista in 2017. It, whether it's a segment, whether it's a special referee, whether it's a match itself, I think it would be a pleasant surprise, and that is one of my bold predictions for 2017. I like that a lot, actually. I like that a lot. It's funny you mention that, because we haven't seen Batista in about two and a half, three years and I figured, okay, so in 20, I'm thinking 2015 years, so like two years ago, I'm thinking, okay, he'll be back this year, maybe for a 31 appearance or for something. I knew he had to have been back at some point in 2015 because I know he had a, at one point, obviously, I don't know what the deal was because obviously he had to go film movies and Spectre and all that other shit. But um, he did have a two-year deal originally with WWE in 2014 that ran through 2016. Again, I don't know if that lapsed or not. I have no idea. But obviously, he hasn't showed up since he quote-unquote quit the company back in 2014 in storyline, obviously. His movie career took off. I know he's promoting Guardians of the Galaxy 2 right now, which comes out in May, which I cannot wait for. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> are you a big Guardians fan, awesome. too? I love it. I love I love the first one. Mm-hmm. The first one exceeded all my expectations, but I'm glad it did because, to be honest, that's one of the more well-done comic book movies ever, at least I've ever seen. Yeah, I got to agree. I got to agree, especially the exceeded expectations part. I mean, I'm not a huge... I mean, I love the Marvel movies. I don't follow the comic books quite as closely, but that movie itself, I kind of went into that movie not really expecting much. But it ended, I mean, this, we're speaking about bold right now, and this might be bold, but uh, it ended up becoming one of my favorite movies, definitely in recent memory, definitely my favorite movie that I've seen in many years, if not one of my favorite movies of all time, just because the comedy, everything about it, I just thought was so well done. Yeah, it, it was well, well, well done. Mm-hmm. Well done. And, and Batista played the part really damn good. He I did. That's the main reason why his career took off. And, and you just think of Brock Lesnar, you know, Brock Lesnar... Not saying he wasn't a superstar 
in his first run in the WWE, but he left because he wanted to pursue some football and he wanted to pursue MMA. And he came back a bigger star because of his success in those other areas. I think the same can happen for Batista with the right opponent. And ironically speaking, I think Brock would be that opponent because those two are the only two guys from that, that OVW class with Cena, Orton, Batista, uh, Lesnar. Those are the only two that never had an interaction before. Mm-hmm. And 2017 is the perfect time, I think, to have that match. Never been done before. The Animal versus The Beast. Yes. I would love I would love this in that match. I think with especially with that match too, I mean, like you said, I mean we kinda saw shades of that OVW class, as you said. We got a lot of flashbacks to those O two OVW days when Orton faced Lesnar at SummerSlam. Obviously that were that really wasn't what it could have been because the match was like fucking five minutes or whatever. But um at least with that match, that's a match I've been dying to see for years now, and I think as you said, if Batista does come back in twenty seventeen, I feel like there's no more probable opponent for him than Brock Lesnar, they're both two superstars, and Batista, the time that he came back the first time, he had the whole Daniel Bryan thing, so the timing was wrong, it really had nothing yeah, to do with Batista. Yeah, that, that got in the way, mm-hmm. that really got in the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and it really kind of faltered whatever push they had in mind for him, I mean, granted that we should not have, regardless of whether Daniel Bryan was popular or not, we should not have had or- Randy Orton versus Batista as a WrestleMania main event in 2014. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so, but, I'm, but yeah... It was unfortunate how he was received by the fans mm-hmm. um, his last run, but let's hope let's hope they make a call to him. Hopefully that hopefully that's in the works. But that's a bold prediction, and I would not be surprised. You, you got any predictions? Myself, ah, uh, I was thinking. I mean, not really bold. I mean, I like that prediction a lot just because I was not thinking about Batista whatsoever, and that's a, actually a pretty bold prediction. I've heard no one else say. Mine are pretty less risky just in the fact that, okay, Kurt Angle might come back this year. That's not really bold just because I feel like it probably will happen. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, things that might not. I don't know. I'll say, you know, I'll say a bold prediction. Someone asked me a couple weeks ago, and I told them this. I say, bold prediction, Samoa Joe gets called up this year. Not really bold, but Samoa Joe gets called up and wins one of the two world titles, whether the WWE title or the... Universal Championship. That might be bold just because I never thought Samoa Joe, of all people, would be a world champion in WWE, but that guy has been fucking killing it in NXT, so hopefully he gets called up. I think think, think he's been due for a call-up for quite some time, Mm -hmm. but I I, I understand why they keep a few stars on NXT. I hear a lot of people bitch and moan about it, 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 it it, and I get it. I get it. You want to see guys like Samoa Joe on Raw and you want to be see them on SmackDown Live. But at the same time, there is another side to look at it. NXT has became a touring brand and because of that, they need a few stars to, you know, sell out their arenas when they, when they tour. And guys like Joe and Shinsuke Nakamura are those stars for that mm-hmm. brand. So you can't completely strip NXT of its talent no matter how good it would be to see Joe kill it on the main roster. But, wow, I, I think that is a little bold because I, too, never thought we'd see Samoa Joe with a world title, especially in the WWE. But I, I would buy into it, and I would like to see it. 
Yeah, here's hoping. I mean, 2016 is still early on. I think the I think the prediction, the speculative rumor debut for Joe is the Rumble match. A lot like AJ Styles last year, that would be the perfect time to call him up in time for a match at Mania in Orlando, of all places, where him and AJ got their feet wet in TNA for many, many years. So uh, that'd be a great kind of a, a debut place for him. But yeah, no, like you said, I could not agree more. I think with NXT. I think Joe, of all people, as you said, it has been due for a main roster call-up for months. Like, he could have been called up for day one, but I feel like bringing him to NXT first, I don't know if he should have been down there for two years, but the fact that he's been down there first and kind of build his heel character and get this momentum rolling for himself really worked out in the long run. Because had he been called up two years ago, when we still didn't have the brand extension, he could have been, I don't want to say buried, but I don't know if he would have been a star from the get-go like he would have been in NXT. Um, but yeah, I know I could not agree more in the terms of, I mean, Nakamura could be a world champion on SmackDown right now, but you need main, main guys, notable names in NXT for the foreseeable future. And you can't call everyone up at once. Like if you called yeah, up Joe, yeah. Nakamura, Rude, and fucking Austin Aries all at one time, not only will NXT be depleted, but then not all of these guys, you know, for a fact are going to be used well in the main roster all at the same time. You know, you gotta, it's, Absolutely. you know, it's, Absolutely. it's gotta be a gradual process. So, I mean, we'll see, but uh, would you say that Samoa Joe will be the first call up from NXT in 2017? I see. I see how. I can't see how he can't be because mm-hmm. again, been there two years, paid his dues. He's essentially done everything you can do over there, and ultimately, I think they're gonna shift over to a pretty lengthy program with Shinsuke Nakamura and Bobby Roode which I'm completely fine with because Bobby Roode looks like he's next up as far as being a main event caliber player on that brand. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I would say Joe is the first call up. And I wouldn't be completely shocked if he's a surprise danger in the Royal Rumble. Yeah, I think he should be. I mean, I don't know what you do with him from there. I mean, he's got to be involved, not in like the main event of WrestleMania, which I wouldn't complain, but I mean, he's got to be involved in a pretty decent program going into WrestleMania. Like AJ being called in in time for the Rumble last year was perfect because it's not like he was kind of lost in the shuffle. He was on, I think, the second or third match in the card, but it was for a great feud with Chris Jericho. They had a long-term plan with him and obviously going on to feud with Roman Reigns, John Cena, Dean Ambrose, winning the world title, so... They had a long-term plan in place for him. Joe, hopefully the same thing. They don't just bring him in for the sake of bringing him in like Apollo Crews, who has gone on to do nothing, unfortunately. Oh, my God. I feel bad for Apollo Crews whenever he pops up. Like, he tends to look so uncomfortable at times. Like, the guy the guy either needs a mouthpiece or he needs to go back to NXT for yeah. a little bit of polishing. But let me ask you a quick question, Graham. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, there's a small dilemma with Samoa Joe because... I love the idea of Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles on a big stage like WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I can argue that the Raw brand needs a guy like Samoa Joe more. Because this, the program with Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho is still entertaining. Do not get me wrong in the whole list and, and what they got going over there and, and Roman and they're doing their thing. But at the same time, the rotation of Owens, Jericho, Rollins, and Roman Reigns, it's getting redundant. Mm-hmm. They need a game changer to get thrown into the mix and, you know, kind of mix it up a little bit. And I think Samojo could be that guy. I would love to see it. I mean, like I said, I feel like SmackDown is obviously the A show right now. I mean, you wrote a whole article about it yourself many months ago, back in August or September, and look where we are now, and SmackDown is even better than it was at that point in time. And Raw is yeah, still absolutely. and Raw is still very repetitive. 
Um, but no, I feel like that's definitely the case where you see you want to see NXT call-ups flourish because it feels like on SmackDown, everyone has something going for them right now. Even like freaking James Ellsworth, who I'm not the biggest fan of whatsoever, has something going for him right now with Carmella. Like everyone has some sort of storyline, with the exception of like an Apollo Crews. But for the most part, everyone has something going on. On Raw, that's like it feels like I was thinking the other day, and we'll get into the Raw review in a second, but um, it feels like with a lot of people on the Raw brand, no one feels special, with maybe the exception of Goldberg, who obviously isn't a full-timer, oh, yeah. but even Owens and Jericho, as entertaining as they are, as you said, we see the same matches every single week, yeah, Reigns and yeah, Jericho. I, I, I really, that, that, that's one of my pet peeves when it comes to the wrestling <clears> business. <throat> I mean, I get why, but at the same time, I do not want to see the free matchup of Reigns and Jericho and then expect to buy in to a Reigns Jericho at the pay-per-view or Rollins Jericho at the pay-per-view. Like, we, we've seen it on free TV too much to even get remotely interested. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they, they literally just did Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens in the main event of the show a fucking week yeah. ago. One week ago. <laughs> and now they're doing it again at the Rumble. It's like, why do you expect me to care? That doesn't make any sense. Bailey and Charlotte yeah. sending. I mean, they work well together, but we have already seen the match two, three times. We already know Bailey can beat Charlotte. It just I, I a lot. It's more so an issue with the Raw side than it is the SmackDown side. At least with Cena and yeah, Styles, yeah. which we'll get into momentarily. Um, they've only had two one-on-one matches. If this was Raw, they would have had twenty matches by now on Raw. But they've saved it. They did Money in the Bank. They did SummerSlam. They had the Triple Threat at No Mercy, and every time AJ won. So Cena has something to prove, and the story makes perfect sense. And we'll get into that momentarily, but. Yeah, just one of those pet peeves with Raw right now. We just see the same freaking matches every single week. But, no, I got to agree. Going back to the original point with Joe, um, as long as there's a long-term plan, like with Roman Reigns and Jericho, Reigns has beaten Jericho four, five times now to retain the title. I would have to think that hopefully there's some sort of plan in place with Roman as champion. I don't want to give this company too much credit just because it seems like with Raw they've been slacking for a long time. But... What, I don't know if Roman and Strowman is the uh, is the answer. I, I mean, the match would probably be well, awful. I mean, Strowman getting the belt wouldn't be the worst thing, though. It, it wouldn't, but I don't know. I, I, Roman, something tells me if they wanted him to be Universal Champion, he would have dropped the U.S. title to Jericho on Raw. Exactly. Which, yeah, which leads me to believe that he, he probably will go into... Well, I, I don't know if he might lose in that fast lane, because... I know that's the last Raw pay-per-view before WrestleMania, but that leads me to believe they want the U.S. title still on him for whatever reason. And, yeah, I'm hearing that Reigns and Strowman, it wouldn't be the worst thing only if Strowman goes over. But Mm -hmm. WWE seems intent on always making Roman go over, so it's questionable. Exactly. That's a, That was my exact thought process. When someone asked me the other day, would you want to see Roman and Strowman at Mania? I mean, sure, only if Strowman won. And this is Roman Reigns we're talking about, so I don't know. I mean, it's a lot like John Cena, the whole issue that we used to have with him. When you go into WrestleMania with Rusev riding a tank in a WrestleMania 31, and the guy loses, and he's, he was a loser for a straight year before he finally got back in the right track. I mean, uh, this past year when he, lost, when he lost, again, to Roman Reigns, and he has him in the same sense. Um, with Roman and Strowman, though, I, like you said, the match would not probably be good at all, but Strowman winning the belt would be good, his push. Strowman, for me, is one of the few parts about this show right now that actually feels worth watching. Like, he's actually been built yeah. up really, really well. So, unless it's Strowman and Roman at WrestleMania, uh, Roman and Joe, what I think would be an even better matchup. To, if Joe was to beat Roman in his WrestleMania debut for the U.S. title, 
he'd feel like a big deal right off the bat. But whether that's going to be the case or not, I guess remains to be seen. Yeah, that, I, I would I would definitely like that because uh, I feel like Samoa Joe needs to be dominant right away. He doesn't need the slow burn at this point. Mm-hmm. But let me let me throw another idea at you, and I I couldn't help but get this this feeling and idea while watching Raw the other day. Strowman, I, I agree with you. He is becoming really like I I I catch myself looking forward to his segment mm-hmm. when I watch Raw and. And it's been a while since they've built up a, a big guy to the point where I'm like, oh, I want to see this guy. I want to see how how he terrorizes the next guy and who stops him. And I also was looking at the Enzo and Cass segment, and then they got a baby face in Big Cass, who is really big, happens to be really big. How about developing a mid-card program between them two for WrestleMania, possibly for the U.S. title, if Strowman is to win it? between now and then i think that could be a great attraction that could promote two of the better homegrown wwe talent and when's the last time we've seen that true immovable object versus irresistible force created in the modern era i think it would be great for both of them i think it'd be a great way to showcase both up-and-coming talents i mean i think it's been pretty apparent for months i think pretty much since the day that enzo and cast debuted that as hot as they are as a tag team or at least were at this point that cast is the one they have their eyes on as a future single star like that one week they didn't do the match but that one week where they focused the entire show around him he was going to face jericho in the main event and that was months ago run and when enzo was still hurt um but i think it was kind of testing the waters and like he was involved in the universal title match a couple months ago when when owens won the belt i think i think they i think they have if they play their cards right they have a really huge star and big cast i I get this feeling every time he's on the screen i don't know it's this feeling i get in and sometimes you know i'm no aficionado i won't call myself that but I, i i get certain feelings from certain talents and i could call it like he, he got something there, and I think if they build him up right, he could possibly be that star that they're looking for to cross over mainstream. I mean, I know they're trying with Roman, and I do think Roman has a bright future, and he is a star. But at the end of the day, come on, let's be honest. We need that star that's majority universally loved, and we haven't had that in a while. And I think Big Cass has the potential to be that. I think if they built him up the right way, I think is the key. Because I feel like he would fall... Like like you said, I feel like right now he's universally loved with Cass, or with Enzo, rather. But if they shot him straight to them... Like, let's say he's involved... Like, okay, not obviously not going to happen. But let's say he won the Rumble and went on the Mania to win the world title. People would shit on him in a day like they did with Roman Reigns. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you do s- it like that. Exactly. But, like, with Strowman, if they go with your idea and they slowly build him up... And he's the one to beat Strowman. And he's, he's a believable guy to beat Strowman because they're the same height, if not just around a little bit shorter, whatever. But he needs a mid-card push before he gets to the main event. Like, the Universal title thing was cool for a day. But if he won that belt on day one, people would have shit all over him in one night just because it's too quick. But if he had that gradual build, I'd be all for it. At the same time, though, if they are going to do that, and I think it is a good program and a good idea, they have to start building up Cass now and get him away from whatever the hell they're doing with Rusev right now. Because this whole thing, I want to get your oh thoughts on this. God, that, it is terrible. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, the, these segments with these guys have just been with Enzo and Cass. And I love Enzo and Cass, but it feels like they have cooled off considerably. Like, over the past couple of months with this whole gender... I don't know why gender's involved mm-hmm. and Rusev's in. It's just terrible. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
we'll get into Raw, I guess, right now. Or even before we get into Raw, let's get to a lighthearted topic first before we get into this bore show that was Monday night. But uh, speaking of Raw, this coming Monday, speaking of returns, The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels are back on Monday night. Uh, Shawn is there to promote his new movie, some WWE Studios film, and Taker is just there to be there. So what do you think both guys have in store for Monday night uh, come Raw this week? You know, I was asking myself that same question when I saw them running the, the advertisements for their appearances. And, you know, the Royal Rumble is going to be in San Antonio, Texas. So it's obvious that Sean is there to promote the Rumble and maybe interact with some type of heel when about the Royal Rumble, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe we'll see a sweet chin music. But I asked myself, what would The Undertaker possibly want to do on Raw? Because... Graham, if you remember, the last time we seen The Undertaker, he was on SmackDown Live essentially saying, this is my show, this is my yard, and basically I affiliate with SmackDown Live, and mm-hmm. if you guys lose it to the Survivor Series, you're going to pay for it. And then all of a sudden, he's being advertised on Raw. I mean, it, it, it throws me off a little bit, and I can't re- quite put my finger on it. There has been a small rumor that he might be Stoneman's opponent, but... I wouldn't want to see that. Yeah. And at the same time, I thought my thought process is that they're going to plant seeds for him to feud with Cena starting now, but why would he be on Raw if he's going to be, begin a feud with Cena? So I'm interested to see what he's going to do on Raw. It's so bizarre, like you said. I feel like they, they've only had him come back once for the 900th show. And, like, as you said, he said, Oh, I'm a SmackDown guy. And he hasn't showed up since. And that was too much. The best part about that promo was the fact he's like, Oh, WrestleMania doesn't define me anymore. I'm going to be here forever or something like that. And he doesn't show up for two more months. And he shows, and he returns on Raw, of all things, too. So it just doesn't make any sense. But um, I do assume that, I mean,. I, I do imagine the reason why they're bringing him back to Raw is just because Raw has been... They, they need the, they need the star power on Raw. I know they just had Goldberg come back. Lesnar's back, I think, next week or the week after. I know Taker and Sean are back this week. Lesnar's back the next week. SmackDown doesn't need to bring back all these fucking stars every single week like Goldberg and Lesnar. You don't see Edge popping up every single week because they don't need Edge because the, the show itself was great and they surpassed Raw in the ratings a week ago. I don't know if that was the case this week or not. I guess we'll find out uh, in the next couple of days, but... um. Yeah, with Taker, I just feel like the, the most obvious path for him to take is to, to enter himself in the Rumble in San Antonio, which I guess makes sense. But I agree. I um, agree. I, I was, I, it's funny you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say that next. I, that's the only thing that he can announce that makes this appearance on Raw make sense mm-hmm. to me. And, you know, if Taker and Cena are on this collision course to meet at WrestleMania... I really do think it would be cool and better if the title was on the line and it was title versus career. I I would think that's the best way to have this match happen. That's a thing with this match, because I've been waiting, I mean, a lot of people have been waiting for Cena and Taker for years at WrestleMania. So I'm I'm happy it's finally happening, especially if if it's Taker riding off in the sunset. And I think career versus title would make sense. And um, I guess for the stipulation purposes, especially, but I don't know. I mean, Cena and Styles is going to be amazing. Don't get me wrong. I'm looking forward to the third match. I was there for the second match. The first match I liked to the second match was one of the best bouts of 2016, in my opinion, the best main roster match of the year for WWE in 2016. But, um, and the third match would be just as good, but I feel like, I don't know. I feel like they're missing off. They're missing a golden opportunity 
to do that match with AJ and Taker. And that's not to say they can't do it at the February pay-per-view, and I guess they could. Um, I don't know. There's just a couple different options this year with who could win the Rumble. So I guess I'll ask you straight out, do you think Taker will win the Rumble in his native Texas at the Royal Rumble this year, 10 years after he won it the first time? Wow. Um, I'm going to say no, but I wouldn't be opposed to it. But I'm going to go with my gut and say, nah, that's not the route they're going. I think, well, originally I thought before they made Cena AJ again, I I thought it was going to be Undertaker and AJ at Royal Rumble, but I guess they want to go a different route with that. But I I still do want to see that matchup. That is a key match that I would like to see. But no, I don't think Taker wins. Call me crazy. Something tells me after Monday on Raw, they're they might be giving more thought to Goldberg winning the Royal Rumble than I think that that I originally thought. Excuse me. I mean, I it's it's tough because I did like of all the things that happened on Monday. I was not a huge fan of the show on Monday, but one of the few things I did like from the show was the face off between Goldberg and Reigns. And I feel like of all the matches, when Goldberg said he was coming back, of all the matches you could do. Honestly, we have so many fresh faces on the show, but like a Kevin Owens-Goldberg match, to me, that doesn't interest me at all. Or Goldberg, even Goldberg and Cena, like that could be something interesting. But one of the top matches that came to mind was Goldberg and Roman Reigns, given their similar backgrounds, the use of the spear, the double spear thing was cool. So, but then again, like we said earlier, does Roman win the world title at the Rumble? I don't think so, and I don't think he should. So, I don't know. I just don't want to see Goldberg win the Rumble just because I feel like... And Lesnar's got to get his win back, and they, I don't know, I feel like they fucked it up when they had him beat Brock Lesnar, and now they have to do the rematch, because Brock has to get his win back, and now they have to well, do the match again, I, I don't know. I, I hope, I hope, I hope that's not the, the 50-60 booking they're going for, but I think depending, if, if let's say hypothetically Goldberg does win the Universal title, I think then Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania for the Universal title makes that story much better because years ago they fought at what I, I believe it was WrestleMania 19 or 20 one of those when they had their first match yeah and, 20 yep. uh, they, they, yeah they were both on their way out and they had that match that wasn't received well and then you had this next match where Goldberg basically squashed Lesnar and both those matches were just grudge matches I think at this point if they're going to continue that program there needs to be a stipulation involved in what better stipulation to draw. And I know, I know they're both part-timers, but I think the universal title would be in a great light if it was inserted into that program. Then maybe you could do the Roman, but the possible Roman installment, and then maybe you could do Jericho and Owens because Jericho, the payoff for that feud is going to be a 10. But let me ask you this. Would you be opposed to... Let's say KO retains the title and mm-hmm. Calico wins the Rumble. Would you be opposed to that? And Calico ultimately winning the Universal title? Because I got to tell you, he, he's putting on some of his best work, and I wouldn't be opposed to Jericho holding the Universal Championship and with a babyface turn, and it'd be a great payoff. Well, they got. I said this a couple weeks ago. They have to do the match at WrestleMania now. I mean, if they weren't going to do it at the Rumble, which I, as I thought they would, and they kind of stayed on the same page, and they're not going to do the match at the Rumble, then they got to do it at WrestleMania. Because, like you said, this story has been building for so long. Jericho's so popular right now. Like you said, this is probably one of, if not the best run of his entire career. 
uh, from start to – I mean, it's not even finished yet, so I can't even say start to finish because it's not even over yet, and I don't know when he's leaving, hopefully not anytime soon. And hopefully by this point, he came back a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, and he stayed for all, over a year, the entirety of 2016 – and uh, he, he's got to stick through WrestleMania at this point because he's put in so much great work. He's one of the best parts of Raw every week. He's got to be here through WrestleMania. So that said, and he's never won a Rumble. Um, I mean, neither is Goldberg, but I don't know. Taker's already won one. I don't really want to see him win it again. I mean, would it be the worst thing? I don't think people would boo him like they booed Roman Reigns and they booed Batista. Um, they wouldn't boo Taker, but... Uh, I don't know. Jericho, I mean, he's not a young guy. Doesn't A young guy doesn't always have to win it, obviously. But, I mean, I would be totally fine. I mean, that would definitely be one of the better options. I would definitely take Gol- uh, Jericho winning the Rumble over a Goldberg or a Taker just because, A, he's never won it. And, B, it, there's a there's a story in place there with Jericho, and the, or uh, with Kevin Owens, rather. And the match works. And if they were to turn him babyface, they could just have him continue to do the list and all that other shit, but have him direct it towards Owens or the heels or whatever. You know, he shouldn't yeah, be ditching yeah, that. that. That's the that's mm-hmm. the beauty of it. There's, there's the story in place, and you're right. He could simply start doing it to bad guys. And the great thing about the Rumble is that there's so many options, and it's not predictable. And that's why I'm looking forward to it so much. Exactly. There's a couple different options. We're getting a SmackDown here in a sec. I mean, well, I guess we might as well just get into SmackDown now, just because Raw literally almost nothing happened. I think we talked pretty much everything about Raw, but uh. Well, I, well, I, I gotta, I gotta kindly disagree with you. I think top to bottom, Raw was pretty solid. I, I, I liked, I, I liked the Last Man Standing match. I thought there was some physical, brutal spots with that. Mm-hmm. Um, also glad how they booked it. You know, they made Sami Zayn. It was the perfect David Goliath. Sami Zayn looked tough, but at the end of the day, you know, this isn't a fairy tale. Strowman's going to reign supreme and continue his dominance. I like that piece of business there. I got a small chuckle out of Titus O'Neil trying to join the new day. <laughs> I know it was a little corny and it was some lower card guy, but I got a little chuckle out of that. And I think maybe if the New Day doesn't have something to do in the near future, that it'd be a pretty entertaining ongoing storyline for uh, everybody, like random superstars trying to become the fourth member of the faction. I think that would be a cool ongoing storyline. Or you can turn them heel. If I really had it my way, call me crazy, the New Day would go after the mid-card title and do Freebirds rules with the U.S. title. I think that's a, a really interesting avenue that the WWE doesn't seem willing to explore. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a possibility, and it's something I would love to see. I mean, when the New Day drop the tag titles, it's like, what's next for them? And, uh, I mean, those are a couple that you just gave them three different ideas for stuff to do to either add a fourth <laughs> member to the group, tease a fourth member, go after the mid-card title, or turn heel. That's three different options, and that's three more options than they have in mind for the New Day because it seems like they have nothing in mind for these guys right now. I mean, if this was just a one-off, it was a waste of time. But if it's starting to build towards something, maybe it was worth it. But uh, with the mid-card thing... I mean, again, people have been wanting that. As soon as the New Day broke up, I don't know whether Xavier, I don't think Xavier falls under the cruiserweight category, but uh, I mean, there's definitely ways that you could put these guys in singles competition without breaking them up. I mean, just because they drop yeah. the belts doesn't mean that Big E has to go heel. You could still have them be baby faces or heels all together as a group, but kind of branch off in a singles competition. Now, if that belt wasn't currently being in, in the possession of Roman Reigns and he's had a stranglehold on that thing for months now. I think it'd be definitely a plausible possibility. Um, I mean, he could, like you said, he could always drop the belt before 
WrestleMania, at Fastlane. There's a couple different ways they could do it, but... I mean, that's something that I would want to see New Day going after the U.S. title or something, at least before the draft, and I assume they'll be split up this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, branching them off in a singles competition I think would be the way to go. And you mentioned before, Strowman and Zayn, I mean, I didn't really like the show on Monday, but that was definitely one of the highlights for me as well. Great match. I thought it told an awesome story. And Zayn, I think he even, not even from, I think just from losing, he gained something because he is that ultimate underdog that he doesn't exactly. always have to win. You know, exactly. he, that was what got him over in NXT. Exactly. So, which is why I love the fact that he lost in the fashion that he did. So, I'll ask you this. We talked a lot about the Rumble, Goldberg winning, Taker, Chris Jericho. Do you think there's a possibility that this whole story with Zayn and, and Strowman, I mean, I would love to see them take Zayn off of TV for a couple weeks until the Rumble match where he comes back and he fights with Strowman uh, because he got the shit kicked out of him on Monday. I think it'd be better if they just kept him off the show until then to sell the injuries. So, he comes back in the Rumble, and in the end, he eliminates Strowman to win the Rumble to go on to face KO at Mania. Again, it kind of throws a wrench in their plans with JR, uh, with uh, KO and Jericho, but do you think that's a possibility as well? I like the story of it. That those guys are the, the real best friends. I mean, I, Jericho's acting like his best friend, but that, those guys are real best friends, and their chemistry is unreal every time they wrestle. I think there is a slight possibility to it because they seem to want to emphasize that even though like you said you, you said it real well and well said Sammy Zayn lost and he got the hell beat out of him but people like him just get more relevant and more over because of those losses which is why you know I always say when it comes to um, sports entertainment that wins and losses matter but at the same time to be truly over it's how you win it's how you mm -hmm. lose that. if you lose well and look good losing, you're still going to be over and and Sammy Zane does do that well and the Royal Rumble is a great springboard to create a new star and I haven't I can't remember in recent memory where a Royal Rumble winner was A one unpredictable and B created a new young star and I think that would be an opportunity to do so with that underdog story of Sammy Zane finally rising. I mean, I guess you could do, I mean, not to, I mean, obviously Jericho and Owens is the money match for Mania, but could you yeah, see um, a Jericho-Owens-Zane triple threat for the title, maybe? I didn't, I, you know, until now, I've never thought of that, and it would make complete sense, because Zane and Jericho had a pay-per-view match a few months ago. I think it was Battleground, if I'm not mistaken. They had a, they uh, had I think a it was match. Clash of Champions, I think it was. It was a one-and-done type yeah, feud. Yeah. yeah, it was over right afterwards, yeah. yeah. Well, it was a solid match, by the way. It was, too, yeah. But Jericho went over, mm -hmm. and then it was like Sami Zayn was kind of flowing after that. Yep. And they could always acknowledge that history. They could acknowledge the history of Owens and Zayn. And like, they, yeah, I would buy into that, actually. That would be great. I think it'd be definitely one way to make a new star in Zayn. Because like you said, I think, uh, with so many notable names being thrown around for the winner of the Rumble, Lesnar, Goldberg, Taker, whoever else, Cena won't win it because he's in the title match. I mean, he could always... I guess he could always lose and then win the Rumble. That'd be worst possible case scenario. But uh, with Zayn, I think making a new star in him, Jericho's still in that title match. Zayn can win at Mania or Jericho could win. I don't know. I mean, again, that's not predictable at all. So I guess that is one possibility. Just something I thought of too. Um, but we'll go from there, so we'll finish off the rest of the episode talking about SmackDown here, maybe a few other miscellaneous things. But uh, SmackDown on Tuesday, another 
two-thumbs-up show. That was a great show start to finish. A lot of things to talk about coming out of it. Um, but first and foremost, one of the few happenings on the show, Dolph Ziggler once again losing, as he does best, to Baron Corbin. Comes up short. <laughs> Afterwards, Kalisto comes to the aid of Dolph Ziggler, fends up Baron Corbin from the ring. And it looks like they're going to reignite the rivalry between Corbin and Kalisto. Oh, great, yet again. I mean, they've had great matches, but it's time to move on. But afterwards, Ziggler snaps out of nowhere, turns on Kalisto before brawling backstage with Apollo Crews. So I thought this was great. Long overdue. Do you think this character uh, development, this heel turn for Dolph Ziggler was a long time coming for him? It was a long time coming. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I, I'm, I'm interested you know, he de- he was in desperate, desperate need of a change of character. He was that lovable loser for too long. He and you know, I know nothing's original in wrestling, but he was starting to come off like a cheap Shawn Michaels ripoff. And you know, I feel like he was pandering to that too much. He was he was relying on you know the fact that he he's good in the ring and he's held back. Whatever, it was the same old story, but. They have a chance to do some new things with him and make him more threatening. My thing is, though, even though he's heel and I'm more interested, what more can you possibly do with the guy? Are you, are you, you can't give him the Intercontinental Championship back because mm-hmm. it, it, it wouldn't make sense. And quite frankly, I think what they got going on, well, I'm sure you're probably going to touch on that a little later. I don't want to spoil it, but I, I, I like, I love what they got going on with the Miz and, and Dean Ambrose now, yeah. but quite frankly, I don't think this room for Dolph Ziggler in that IC title picture. I don't think this room for him in the main event because I don't look at Ziggler as a main event caliber star. So it's kind of like, what do you do? You have him feud with Apollo Crews? Um, it's kind of like, even though he turned heel, it was a good move, but what do you do with it? That That's the real question. I mean, I think people have been saying this for months that he should have gone. He should have gone heel a long time ago. It was a long time yeah. coming. Um, and it is for the best for him, and I think he does. I mean, he's a lot more comfortable as a heel. He's a natural heel. He was very popular as a face, but he's just a natural heel, so I think it's great for him. The move was, well, a long time coming. It was long overdue. But at the same time, you look at the roster, it's like, okay, he went heel, which was obviously for the better, not shitting on that, but it's the fact, like, okay, but what do you do with him? He's already lost to Corbin twice, or he's already faced him a number of times. They had a long-ass feud last mm-hmm. year. He's already feuded with mm-hmm. Cena multiple times. He's already feuded with Dal- with uh, with Randy Orton, with Dean Ambrose. They had a dud of a match at SummerSlam. So, really, what, Miz, too, they had a million matches. So, what else do you do with this guy and to me, and I've said this for a while now, and I mean, the contract that's been rumored to be up in this year, I think Ziggler's leaving this year. They really just have no... There's really, like, not that he isn't getting the push he deserves or whatever, so he just he should just leave. He's been here for well over a decade. He has literally done almost everything there is to do in terms of feuding with everybody, going heel, face, winning the world title twice. I mean, they weren't very long reigns, but he won the world title. He's won every mid-card title, tag title, whatever. There really isn't anything left for him to do. The heel turn, I think, is a great way for him to go out if he does leave this year, maybe in the summer or whatever. But do you really see anything else for Dolph Ziggler if he was to leave in 2017 before he takes off? I I, I hate to say it, but not off the top of my head, I don't. I think he he did peak. I think back when he won the world title, the, the cash-in after WrestleMania, that was his peak. I don't... I don't think he's ever going to reach a point where he could be that guy you insert into the main event and it's believable ever again. He's just, 
in my opinion, he lost too much. I mean, I know, granted, that was his role. He was, you know, the love of a loser, you know, the guy that loses and loses and always gets back up. But I feel like in certain cases, there's there's possibilities where a guy could lose so much to the point where it's like, how can I buy into him being exactly. a John Cena? How mm-hmm. can I buy into him being a Randy Orton? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think Ziggler's in that point. The man couldn't beat The Miz for months. How can I buy him to beat anybody else that's at the top, you know? So, you know, I hate to say it, but there, there isn't much you could do with him. I mean, I, I heard this one idea. It, it was a rumor floating on the internet that they, they have discussed a faction possibly with a returning Shelton Benjamin, Paul Ziegler, and Jack Swagger, kind of as like a the amateur wrestling jocks. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever heard that, but that is one idea. But again, where would it take him? It would, it would basically keep him in the same level. There's nothing you could do to elevate the man. He, he's going to be what, what he is. Exactly. And I love that you said that too, because I feel like there's a definitive difference between being a lovable loser like Sami Zayn, who looks great in defeat, he could lose a lot and people still love him, and, he's, and he yep. gets that big win every once in a while. Whereas with Dolph Ziggler... I feel like he was just a loser, and he's been a loser for a long yeah, time. Yeah. I mean, you look at, like, Survivor Series. He gets the big win. That was what really, other than the money the bank cash in, should have solidified him as a main event guy. And then he got fired, and that was it. He never got his big win. He never came back. He never, like, fought back against the authority. He was a fucking loser for months, and he never won another really important match again. And he'll win a match every once in a while. The No Mercy match with Miz a couple months ago was amazing. But other than that, like you said, he loses so much and nothing ever changes about the guy other than the fact he looks like a mini Shawn Michaels, as you said earlier. It's hard to get behind him. So as a heel, it's it's refreshing. But even like I, I did hear that rumor a couple months ago, and I feel like I, I, I do think that Benjamin will be back. Maybe not this month, but I think he'd be great for a Rumble return if he came back in the Rumble and... You know what? Now that I think about it, I mean, like you said, he wouldn't really be elevated, so to speak. To like, and he really should not be a main event guy at this point, just because you got AJ, you have Dean, you have Cena. There's really no room for for Ziggler at this point in time, nor should there be anytime soon. But I think that would be a great idea. I mean, I guess we'll kind of transition into this now. But if American Alpha does retain their ti- their uh, SmackDown Tag Team titles next week on the show, could you see an American Alpha versus any combination? I mean, Swagger is kind of damaged goods too, even more so because he hasn't been on the show for f- months. Absolutely, absolutely, that is a guy who's damaged beyond belief. Yeah, I, I, he's he's a walking pink slip at this point. But you have Benjamin and Dolph Ziggler, maybe versus American Alpha at, at WrestleMania. Could you see that being a possibility? Maybe too. I would. I, you know what? I would like that. I, that's better than anything else Ziggler would probably be doing, or Benjamin for that matter. I, I'm not. I'm not. Too on the the return of Shelton Benjamin, but I'm I'm guessing it's pretty soon because he was out six months to a year. I, I think it's been around six months by now. Ho- hopefully he's healing fast because I think he could be a player on SmackDown this time around. I I like the fact that they highlight that that SmackDown is the land of opportunity and they're actually showing it. Mm-hmm. I think guys like Benjamin in a roster like today could work with a lot of guys and could be in the tag division. He's a guy you could plug in in any division to plug him in the tag with Ziggler. And it, it would be great because I think 
there's a lot of legitimacy in that tag team match because there's Chad Gable who was in the Olympics and whatnot, and you already know Jason Jordan's background and credentials, and then you have Dolph Ziggler who went to Kent State with his history, and he just got inducted into the Hall of Fame there, and then Shelton with the University of Minnesota, there's just so much background and legitimacy in that, and I think those guys are top-notch in the ring anyway, so that's just a bonus. That would be great. Yeah, I think they'd all work well together. They would produce a hell of a match, Mania. I think it'd be really the only match they could do. I mean, if they, I mean, there's going to be, with the brand extension, if it's a lot like SummerSlam, we're going to have a million matches of Mania like we had SummerSlam. We had a dozen matches, including the kickoff show. Um, so hopefully they kind of tone it down a bit for for uh, for WrestleMania, which is also four or five hours, whatever. But no, I feel like if they will do a SmackDown tag team title match at Mania, and, and as opposed to like, oh, let's do a multi-man tag team title match, which is or a multi-team match, which is great for like a SmackDown for Mania, no one cares. But if you have a real feud going between like American Alpha, who deserve the push they're getting right now. And um and and Benjamin and Ziggler, which is a great use of those guys. Because I was thinking too, if Miz held the title, we'll segue into that right now too. I was thinking if Miz held the belt through Rumble. I mean, I guess he could always win it back. He could always very well next week, because of what happened on Talking Smack, he could say, "Oh, he should have been DQ'd. I deserve the belt back," and they hand the belt right back to him next week, which is a definitely a possibility. Um, but I was thinking you could do Miz and Benjamin for the belt, but I think that's, I, I don't know, I just think that's a better idea, and you go in a different direction with the Miz. So, segueing into that, Miz, Tuesday night, drops the IC title to Dean Ambrose in the main event. Great match. We have a new Intercontinental Champion, Miz, afterwards. For as much fanfare as Ambrose's title change got, or title win got, which was awesome, Miz had everyone talking even more so afterwards with his, oh, again, yeah. tremendous promo on Talking Smack, just going off the rails, off the handle. On Daniel Bryan, just a great rant promo, a lot like his promo a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago with Bryan on Talking Smack coming out of SummerSlam. So uh, your thoughts on Miz and Ambrose in the main event? I know you said you love the feud, as do I. I think it's been very entertaining thus far, a vast improvement over what the hell they were setting up between Ambrose and Ellsworth coming out of TLC. Thank God they scrapped that. But, uh, yeah, so what do you think this title change means? First of all, your thoughts on the match, and also what do you think this means for Ambrose and, more importantly, the Miz heading into Rumble and WrestleMania season? My thoughts on the matches, first of all, those guys are two guys that are in my top five current favorites in wrestling, period. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I the title change was surprising. Uh, I didn't, if I had it my way, I, I would still keep the title on The Miz, but I understand why they're changing the title. I know people are going to think they're hot potatoing it, but I want to think, I'd like to think that they have a bigger plan because The Miz, is the, let me tell you this, Grant. The Miz is the most consistent performer on a week-to-week basis. Mm-hmm. The, the man makes every bit of camera time worth it. He makes the most of every minute, every second he gets on TV. He was my MVP for 2016. And I just think I can't help but feel like he deserves better. And... I don't know if they're considering putting him in the WWE Championship picture. That I don't know, but I'll say this. If he does, an AJ versus Miz feud could be very entertaining, and I believe that I believe the only reason Ambrose won the IC title on SmackDown Live is because, you know, I, I just simply think it was one of those scenarios where WWE is like, we want to get people more of a reason to tune into SmackDown mm-hmm. Live and yep. see that title changes can happen 
on regular TV. You know, it's kind of a spike fan interest. Something tells me Am and Ambrose have unfinished business. This might carry on for another month or two. But let me ask you this. If he doesn't get elevated to the WWE Championship picture, that, that he being the Miz, which I would like to see, would you be opposed to maybe him hold, getting the Intercontinental Championship back and defending it against Shane McMahon being ben Daniel Bryan's representative at WrestleMania? I think that match could draw and it could give Miz something good to do rather than face random mid-card wrestler. You know, that's a really good idea, and I've heard no one pitch that, which is why I really like it a lot. Like, I've heard ideas of Brian and Miz thrown out. Not a full-blown match, obviously, because Brian's retired, and uh, they're still doing the... T they, you know what? As you said, they, they have to blow this off. They have to blow off Miz and Brian, because they've been doing the whole teases and the whole yes chance for so long. Yeah, yeah, but it is so entertaining, but I, I understand, yeah, they, they can't tease us forever, because... Don't, why tease it if there's not going to be a payoff? You know? Exactly, and I like that match a lot. More. I mean, it's not happening this. It's not happening this point. But I like that match a lot more than whatever the hell was rumored between Shane McMahon and Brock Lesnar for WrestleMania. That to me would have just been <laughs> stupid. That would have lasted two seconds. But I think Shane and Miz that would have been a waste. That would have been a waste of Brock Lesnar's e days. Exactly. That, that was to happen. I but love Shane, I, but he's no threat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I think him and Miz can pull off some magic. And for whatever reason, when it comes to wrestling, anytime, you know, they're not real performers, technically not real wrestlers, but anytime a McMahon's in the match, it sells. Whether it's Vince, whether it's Shane, whether it's Stephanie. And Shane is not a bad performer. Mm -hmm. He looked pretty good at Survivor Series. I'm surprised at how good he looks at this age. So I, I think that makes the most sense with him being the SmackDown Live commissioner and then, you know, Miz being who he is and Daniel Bryan can't compete. But if, even if Daniel Bryan can compete, call me crazy. As big of a Bryan fan as I am and I love his work, I just think he had the perfect send-off. It's one of those send-offs you don't want to mess with. Just, just let him stay doing what he's doing and let him stay retired in my opinion. I, I, I always hear rumors of Shawn Michaels returning for one match, but I feel the same way about Shawn Michaels. It was the perfect send-off, kayfabe-wise, and behind the scenes. So don't mess with it. Don't don't dilute the effect of the retirement and send-off by having them pop back up. I, I think Brian's good in what he's doing. He's great on talking smack. He's very candid and funny. And I think if you're not going to put Miz in the WWE title picture some way, somehow... He has to fight somebody important like a Shane McMahon. He has to have a match that carries weight to it. He deserves that. Yeah, he's been carrying, not carrying SmackDown, but he's been one of the best parts about SmackDown since the brand split. He was doing great work even before that. So, to have him not, you can't throw him back in like the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royale. That'd be a slap in the face to everything he's done over the past year plus. So, he's got to be, again, maybe not the main event, but a top match at WrestleMania, at least for the SmackDown brand. Him and AJ, I would love. I think Miz is definitely a dark horse to win the Rumble this year. With them taking the belt off him, and again, we'll see what happens Tuesday. They could very well put the belt right back on him on Tuesday, say it didn't count, um, expunge the, the the title win from the record books or whatever. Or he could win it back at the Rumble, which I expect them to do, or not win the belt back, but do the rematch at the Rumble, which I think is a great addition to the card. Maybe throw in a stipulation there too. But um, yeah, if he doesn't move on, or he doesn't win back the belt... 
and uh, and he doesn't go on a main event, then he's got to be involved in a top match at WrestleMania. He's got to be. I mean, I think him and Shane is a is great. I'd like to think that they that that match sells itself. I mean, mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan, unless Daniel Bryan can actually go, which I really doubt he can, and I doubt WWE would like to take a chance on that. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I would. That's the match I'd like to see. But would you buy in for him actually carrying the WWE Championship if he was to go against Styles? Would you have him go over? Honestly. I, I mean, he should be world cha- He's got to be world champion this year. I mean, I think, again, if he continues the great work that he's been doing, that promo on Talking Smack was phenomenal. No pun intended with AJ, but I think, <laughs> you know, he, he's got to be a top guy again this year. They better not move him to Raw. That's what this company does. They, they find something great, like, oh, AJ's doing well, Miz is doing well, let's move him over to Raw. No, that would fuck up the momentum tremendously in a heartbeat. They would be lost in the shuffle on a second over on Raw, so hopefully they keep him on SmackDown. But, yeah, with Miz specifically, he, he's... He, I feel like he's got to be world champion. I mean, I know he's been a world champion before, and people didn't love that reign. I thought it was pretty good. I thought he did a great job with that. That was probably the best run of his career up until now anyway. And he's so believable. He's one of the best heels in the company right next to Charlotte. So he, he's he's got to. And I think him beating AJ for the world belt at WrestleMania, I mean, would it make the internet cry? Maybe. But I don't know. I mean, people are really starting to turn a new page, turn a new leaf on The Miz. So maybe not. I don't know. But I would definitely I, buy into that match at Mania. I think. Yeah, I think there's money. There's, there really is money in a guy that is legitimately hated and people paying money to see this guy get beat up. And it, it's a classic formula, and the Miz has mastered it to a P. And on a more lighthearted note, where, where the hell do you think they're going with this Elephant and Carmella storyline? I, I, I think it's a little random because Carmella just came from beefing with Nikki Bella and then she she's with him I mean seeing Smackdown Live it's apparent that she's just gonna be with him to use him to help yeah. her win mm-hmm. but what's the payoff I mean usually in storylines like this the payoff is the woman leaves the loser wrestler for another wrestler but I don't see any wrestler around that Carmella will fit with that's exactly it. I mean, it's cool they're using her beyond the Nikki feud. It's not like she lost the Nikki feud and then she was off TV like an Apollo Cruz or something. At least she's still on TV. But, yeah, maybe she turns on him in the end and then Ellsworth is a babyface again. But then why would you turn him in the first place? So I'm not really sure where they go with this. I mean, again, it's it's cool they're using her. I don't really care too much about Ellsworth. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, do you see a payoff for it in the near future? The only payoff I can think of is her leaving him for like a cooler heel wrestler, and I'm looking at, I'm trying to think on SmackDown who could that be? Like maybe Ziggler? Ziggler? Maybe he's the only one that could fit that bill. Maybe, but Mm -hmm. we we've already been there, done that with Ziggler. Yeah, multiple times. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I mean, at least they got something going. Like I said, it seems like with everything on SmackDown, even this stuff that I don't, like, love a lot, at least it's something for them to do. Unlike on Raw, where Alicia Fox is, she's doing the thing with Cedric, but no one really cares. I, I don't know. There's just a lot of stuff going on right now on Raw that don't give a crap about. But SmackDown, it seems like every segment is well used. They've already promoted 
Baron Corbin and John Cena for next week, first time ever, which I'm really looking forward to. They've got American Alpha and the Wyatt family, the rematch, the tag titles. They've got Nikki Bella and Natalia. Another feud I don't love, but it's been better than expected. So again, at least they're using everyone on the show. So I think it's great. Um, but before we finish off here, uh, just to talk about briefly the Bring It to the Table special from the WWE Network that aired after Raw on Monday night. And it's got a lot of people talking. I saw it on Tuesday, and uh, I want to get your thoughts on it. I just saw it on Tuesday, and I'm like, wow, this I'm just not a fan. I just thought this was... I mean, I like the concept, but it felt so... Like, JBL, and I love Heyman and JBL's JBL, and I love Peter Rosenberg, but it felt like at least at least Heyman and JBL, they gave out a lot of corporate answers, and they talked about a lot of taboo topics like the brand extension and Bret Hart and uh, robbing three hours. Is it too long? But it, sh- it felt like the entire time they were pretty much just shitting on the fan base and telling people to stop complaining. So I want to get your two cents on what the uh, Bring It to the Table special from Monday Night on the Network. You know, it's crazy because when I when I saw them run the, the commercial and advertisements for it, I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh, this is like a ESPN first take style show where mm-hmm. they're going to have some topics that, you know, the world knows about when it comes to wrestling and on the dirt sheets and they're going to actually go head to head and debate these topics. But then five minutes in, I'm like, it's literally Peter Rosenberg going down the list and then... Heyman, you're right. They kind of gave cancer answers. They gave answers that you expected them to say. They gave answers that, you know, an employee is supposed to give. And I just, you know, I feel like they weren't being completely themselves. I I know damn well Heyman, you know, disagrees with some of what WWE does. He doesn't agree with that much. And I know the same applies to JBL. Let's be honest, nobody agrees on everything that their boss does or Mm -hmm. the company they work for does. So I want to, but I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that maybe that was just how the first episode was. I'm going to give them a little more, you know, time. I'm going to watch the next episodes they come up with. Hopefully they keep, keep bringing them in after Monday Night Raw. And hopefully they even mix up the guests, have like, more wrestling minds have a JR maybe at some point and hopefully you bring in more people that get the freedom to say what they want to say kind of like the Stone Cold podcast exactly if, mm-hmm. you, could let, if you could let them talk the way they talk on the Stone Cold podcast I, I see no reason why they can't you know re- express their real opinions on you know bring it to the table but the concept is great only if they let them let them debate. Let them disagree. Let them show some emotion. Let them, you know, but also let them shit on the fans. I think that there's a place for that, too. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. You know, it gets people talking, you know? Yeah, it just, yeah, if they do continue to do it, and I will watch the second episode to see if it's any different from the first one. I was slightly disappointed just because I thought it'd be a lot more risque than it was. Um, yeah, JR getting in there would be great, and it's not like they haven't done it before, like you said, with the Stone Cold Podcast, the first podcast they did, they talked about CM Punk, they talked about Randy Savage in the Hall of Fame, all these topics, like, holy shit, I never thought they would bring up. Half an hour on the Styles Podcast was ded- was dedicated to TNA talk, so why can't they do the same thing on the, um, on the, with Stone Cold, why can't they do the same thing with this special? It just doesn't make any sense, Absolutely. so, I guess we'll see where they go with it, um, I, I just, like you said, I feel like there were a lot of points throughout the show where... Peter Rosenberg asked JBL, do you think SmackDown Live is the better show? Which everyone kind of knows that it is currently. 
JBL said yes, but obviously he's going to say yes because he's a SmackDown guy. He's on SmackDown, so obviously he's going to say yes. And I thought they were going to turn to Heyman and ask him about the time that he was on top and, and creative and uh, you know on, and kind of you know uh, you know compare it to that time on SmackDown many years ago. But they just moved on. They just asked JBL, "Do you think SmackDown's the better show?" He said, "Yeah, I'm a I'm blue brand biased because I've been on the show. I was a, I was a wrestler in the show a decade ago." They didn't even ask Heyman. They just moved right on. So again, like you said, just a lot of soft answers. So. We'll see where it goes. If it's just a platform for them to say stop complaining for every single topic, then it's just kind of ridiculous. But um, yeah, I, I hope I hope it. The format they had, I hope it doesn't continue because it, it it literally was you know it, it felt like plant employee A and B mm-hmm. have them go out there and say what we want them to say. You know, wrestling is not at its best or entertainment platforms in general aren't their best when they feel robotic and it felt pretty robotic and that's why Talking Smack works so well. It's a night and day. You watch Talking Smack the next day, you have Baron Corbin on going on there feeling... I mean, obviously, he's not speaking his mind, but he it doesn't feel scripted. Miz's promo did not feel scripted. A lot of the stuff... that Like, Daniel Bryan, like you said earlier, comes off great on that show because, I mean, obviously, he's under contract, but he doesn't give a shit because he doesn't want to be there, so he's very candid on that show. Um, yeah. But that, that's why Talking <laughs> Smack just feels so raw. Like, it, it's more raw than Monday Night Raw, really, Talking Smack on Tuesdays, yeah, just because... Yeah. That's why I think SmackDown works so well. I don't know if it's the writing teams or what, but when like Miz uh, got slapped by Renee a couple weeks ago, it was like a holy shit moment, but you don't really get yeah. that on Raw. Just everything on Raw still feels so formulaic. Foley comes out for an opening promo. He botches his lines. You move into a segment. You move into the next match. <laughs> That's basically the way Raw goes every single week with Stephanie, too. You throw in a Stephanie you know, belittling one of the superstars, and then you move on to the next match without her getting her comeuppance. It's the same thing every single week, so... Again, hopefully they move on. Uh, the first Raw of the year, I thought like, you said you enjoyed it. I, I thought it was all right. Hopefully they can only get better. I, 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 thought, it, I thought it was it was solid compared to previous weeks. Yeah, I, I will I will agree. Yeah, the, the final segment was a stare down between Reigns and Goldberg gave me goosebumps. It was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'll, I'll give them some credit, but no doubt about it. SmackDown Live has been clicking from top to bottom. It feels like an actual, like, show that actually wants to win the ratings. Like, from top to bottom, they feel like a team from Renee Young to Daniel Bryan to Shane to even the superstars. They feel like, you know, they really want to put their best foot forward. And I really appreciate what they're doing. And I I think the content all across the board, I mean, as a fan, I know it's a. I mean, some could say it's overexposure, but as a fan, I like all the content we got, including 205 Live. You know, I, I like the content that we have available to us. Yeah, I mean, there's such an abundance of content to the point where if you don't like Raw, you can watch SmackDown. If you don't like NXT, you can watch 205 Live. If you don't like Bring It to the Table, you can watch. A story time or something like that. There's so much wrestling, which again can be a lot if you watch all of it. But if oh, you enjoy, yeah. you know, 
bits and pieces of it, or if you don't like Raw as a whole and you think it sucks, you could always watch SmackDown, which I think is a lot better. Or, or if you don't like 205 Live, you can watch NXT. Like, there's so much wrestling. Or if you don't like anything WWE, there's Ring of Honor, there's uh, TNA, there's New Japan, who just had the Wrestle Kingdom show, which I have not yet watched, but I heard it was absolutely incredible. So there's just so much stuff out there to watch wrestling-wise that if you don't like one thing, there's a million other things out there for you to watch. So... Uh, it's definitely going to be heating up going into WrestleMania season. The Rumble's only a couple weeks away. Looking forward to that. WrestleMania should be great as always. Um, just as loaded and as star-studded as, as, as it has been in recent years, so I look forward to that. But yeah, I think that about does it in terms of everything WWE-related from Raw, SmackDown, and everything else in regards to the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, and so on and so forth. So, been a pretty packed, stacked show with you here today, David. Before we let you go, be sure to plug anything you want the people to check out, and also where the people can find you on social media, my man. Alright, it's on Facebook, our Facebook page, you can like us on Facebook at no dash Holds Bar Podcast, and you can find us on YouTube, our YouTube channel is also no dash Holds Bar Podcast, and we all hold your attention, we intend to entertain you, inform you, and we are a video podcast that so we think we'll have some cool visuals and analysis and point of views for wrestling fans. Perfect, perfect. Sounds great. People can check all that stuff out, and hopefully we can get you back here on the show at some point in the near future before WrestleMania draws near in the next two, three months. But until then, man, have a great one, and I'll catch you down the road. All right, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks to David for coming on the show once again, making his debut right here on WrestleRant Radio, the premiere show in 2017. Excellent episode, as always. I appreciate you guys supporting the show. Be sure to buy a t-shirt. As I said last week, the t-shirts are now available on whatamaneuver.net. Eat, sleep, Wrestle Rant Repeat. The links are all over Facebook. They're all over Twitter. They're all over nextdayrestling.net. Just go to radio shows, go to merchandise, buy your t-shirt now. We got hoodies, we got t-shirts, we got sleeveless tees, we got pretty much anything you can imagine with Eat, Sleep, Wrestle Rant Repeat on it. Get your merchandise now. Speaking of nextdayrestling.net, though, the website did undergo a massive overhaul, a massive makeover over the past week. As we enter the new year, I thought it would only be appropriate for 2017. Uh, so check it out. Obviously, you probably have if you're listening to the show right now on nextairwrestling.net. Um, so yeah, a lot of exciting things to come. First day back on Thursdays for WrestleRant Radio. We will continue on on Thursdays. Hopefully no more changing of the days. I only had to do Fridays in the fall just because I had internship and stuff. But we are back on Thursdays permanently as we enter the new year of 2017 as I very much look forward to. So once again, guys, you can follow me on the social media platforms on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Graham.gsm.matthews and also on YouTube as well at youtube.com backslash C backslash Graham.gsm.matthews. Check out new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single week right here on nextwrestling.net and I'll catch you fine folks down the road. I'm about all